Hey Valley family, so, so happy you could join us, our online campus. Uh, this is what is historically celebrated as Palm Sunday, the, the Sunday, the day that Jesus made his triumphal entry uh, into Jerusalem and the start of really Holy Week. And we've been in the middle of a series, which boy, I, I just can't even imagine a series that could have been more perfect for right where we are right now at this present moment uh, you know, back in November, uh, I was praying about this and talking about it uh, with, with some of the other leaders, staff members on our teaching team, uh, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Randy, of course my wife, Pastor Susie, and uh, we really just felt like, uh, you know what, let's just take seven weeks leading up to Easter uh, and, and look at the seven last statements of Jesus on the cross and talk about how to live through a bad day, and we had no idea, you know, really, we're not saying thus saith the Lord, but we realize now in hindsight, obviously the Holy Spirit was speaking to us. We haven't had to change what we were going to preach on or anything like that. Uh, this is just incredibly practical right now as we're walking through, and I say through, this coronavirus uh pandemic, really, and uh, I, I'm just so thankful for the Lord's guidance and His direction, uh, and, and I hope this has been a sense of, uh, place of comfort for you. Our online campus, literally thousands and thousands, well over 3,000, close to 4,000 people every single week tuning in to our online campus, and we love you, and we just want to bring hope to you uh, and, and point you to the one that is the giver of hope, and that's Jesus Christ uh, above all others. And so this is the sixth message in that series, and uh, we're going to look at the, the framework, the verse that we've been looking at, uh, kind of viewing this whole series through. If you have your Valley app, I want to invite you to go ahead and open that up. If you haven't downloaded it yet, it's free in your app store, and it's going to be able to save the notes that you're taking. You'll be able to fill in the blanks. Also, it's a great way we can communicate with you during these times as well. So uh, go ahead and open up your Valley app, and you'll be able to follow right along with me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 is where we've been looking kind of the framework here and it says keep your eyes on Jesus boy we need that so much today in these days we're living through who both began and finished this race we're in study how he did it and that's what we're doing for almost two months studying how Jesus lived through a bad day because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with God, and it goes on and it says, he could put up with anything along the way, and that's what we're finding. You know, it's a little uncomfortable. Uh, we're a little disturbed by all the changes, but you know what? God's given us grace. He's given us strength. He's given us peace and hope, and we can put up with anything along the way as well because we're keeping our focus not on the problems, not on the pandemic, but upon the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our focus, and so he put up with anything along the way. The cross shame, whatever, and that's where we are. We're in the whatever, you and I today. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And we've taken these different statements that Jesus has made on the cross. He's gasping for air after going through mock trial and uh, uh, lashes, 39 lashes that, uh, you know, 40 lashes normally would kill someone. He went to 39 lashes, then carried the cross, feet nailed to the cross, hands nailed to the cross, dropped in the stand. He's gasping for breath, and he makes these statements, you know, re really with, with the last bit of life in his lungs, and, and they're so powerful, 
and practical for you and for me. So week number one, we talked about forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Week number two, see beyond your own struggles. Week number three, take care of those near you. Week number four, aim your hard questions at God. And then week number five, be human enough to acknowledge your need. And, and, and now we come up on lesson number six, and I want to show you where it's found because, you know, this might be surprising, but this message, this statement Jesus makes is right after number five. See, six comes after five. And I'll show you why I say that. Uh, lesson number six here is found in John 19.30 because these statements are not chronological. There's not one uh, gospel that has them all, but this is the next statement that Jesus makes after saying, I thirst, because look at it. It says, when he had received the drink, when he had received the drink. So a Roman soldier, you know, put a, a sponge full of vinegar uh, on a spear and held it up to Jesus' mouth and he drank from it. And so after he received the drink, Jesus said, here it is, our sixth statement, it is finished. It is finished. And, and right now as we're walking through this pandemic, you know what, it's going to end. This is not the way it's always going to be. It's going to end. And I, I, these, this, this statement of Jesus just brings so much comfort to me personally. And my prayer is that it will bring so much comfort to you as well. Jesus said, it is finished. It's finished. And, and here's the lesson that we can learn from Jesus' words. Be assured there is a purpose and there is an end. There's a purpose and an end. Already, we're seeing so much good that's coming out of this as, as all of a sudden, a lot of the, the, the political squabbling and all is just kind of beginning to die down. People are, are discovering we have more in common than what separates us. Uh, we're hearing so much great feedback through what we're doing online, trying to just provide points of contact on our, our daily devotional uh, live on Facebook, our, our daily prayer live on Facebook, our, our different uh, online Zoom groups that we have, so many. Just thank you so much, thank you so much. And, and we're feeling more connected than ever before when a lot of things that we took for granted that maybe even were distractions, all, they're, they're not available to us any longer. And, and so... Be assured, there's a purpose and there's an end. God, even in the midst of, of difficulty and trials and tests and pandemic, God is working a bigger plan. God's working out some really, really good stuff that I, I believe we just can't even see right now as a church family, as a community, as a nation, and, and even around the world. And uh, so we need to be assured that there's a purpose and there's an end. One of, my, one of my favorite stories, actually, in the Bible, it's the oldest story in the Bible, uh, it is the story of Job. And uh, not a lot of people realize this, but Job is the oldest book in the Bible. The Bible is not chronological. It's a collection of books. And Job actually predates Genesis. The writing of Job is before Genesis. And, and, and in there, Job, I mean, he just went through the unimaginable, he lost all his kids, he lost all his livestock, he, he lost so much. But uh, he, he has some conversation with God. 
And I think it's just very insightful for where we are right now after he goes through so much, this conversation. I want to kind of go back and retrack some of that because in this conversation that he has with God, we find some of the, the most bedrock, basic, solid theology that has developed the rest of the way through Scripture about the attributes of who God actually is. God's attributes, and it really starts there in this conversation between Job and God, when Job's lost everything. In fact, like I said, he lost his kids, he, he lost all of his belongings, he lost his fortune, he lost his livestock. The only thing he had left was like his wife. And, and when you read the story, it's kind of like he's just like, God, really? This is all you left me with was her? Uh, because she's, she's not a real encourager. In fact, at one point, he's got boils all over his body. He's lost everything. He pours ashes on his head, and he t- picks up a piece of pottery. He's just scraping the boils off of his skin, these oozing, pussing sores. And his wife comes up to him and goes, why don't you just curse God and die? How, how'd you like to, that's all you're left with, an encourager like that. Just curse God and die, Job. And, uh, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't turn his back on God, but he he had some things to say, and and God answered him back. And and in this, we find these three attributes that are so powerful that we understand that can really bring us peace in knowing God is working something bigger out than we can imagine or that we can think. And so look at it. First of all, in Job chapter 30, verse 20, Job is kind of crying out to God, and he says, I call to you, O God, but you never answer, and when I pray, you pay no attention. I don't know if maybe you, maybe you felt like that during these last few weeks, month. You know, God, where are you? And again, we talked about that, that uh, week number four was aim your hard questions at God. This is appropriate. This is fine to have this conversation. But, but understand this, okay, uh, at the same time, to have this conversation with God. But well, we're going to find God answers Job back. And, and when God answers back, there's like no one you can, you can't just like, oh, no, re- I just reject that. I want someone else's opinion. And, and so... God answers him back. Job is saying, I called to you, but you never answer. You never pay attention. And then look at Job chapter 38, verse 1 through 5. Then the Lord spoke to Job. <laughs> he, Job directed his hard questions at God. And then God's like, all right, let's talk. And then the Lord spoke to Job about the storm that he was going through, all the, all the difficulty. And we're going through a storm right now. Listen to what Listen to what God said. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? He's basically like, Job, you don't know what you're talking about. He goes on and says, brace yourself like a man. I'm going to question you now. (laughs) I'm not sure I want this conversation with God, but we can learn an awful lot from it. And I'm so glad that it's in God's word that can help and instruct us. And you shall answer me. He goes, I'm going to ask you a few questions now, Job, and I want you to answer me. Goes on. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me if you, if, if, if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. I mean, you're, Job, you're so smart that you're questioning me. You know, you're, you're the creation, questioning the creator. 
You're just like a little fish in a tank, and I'm thumping on the side of the bowl. And you're, you're, you're coming after me and questioning me. Who stretched the measuring line across it? God says, where were you when I framed all the creation? Uh, you weren't around to help. I did that, Job. And, and God's trying to lead him to something very, very important. And it's very important for you and me as well. It goes on, Job 38, verse 18 through 21. He says, have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? He, he's asking him questions like, where did light start? Whose idea was light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths of their dwellings? Where did this all start? He's like, Job started with me. He goes on and he says, Surely you know, for you are already you were already born. You've lived so many years. And, and you know, I love this. This is kind of funny to me because God, God right here is getting a little sarcastic. He's getting a little, little sarcasm there, our Heavenly Father, uh, with Job. He's like, You've lived so many years. God, who is infinite, has no beginning, has no end. And Job's just a little blip on the timeline of human history. And God's like, oh, you have lived so many years. Where, where are you, Job? What's going on? And then Job answers him in Job 40, verse 3 through 4. Then Job answered the Lord when he realized how small he really is and how big God really is. And Job remembered, re realized, came face to face with his tininess. I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. You know what? That sometimes that's good advice when all kinds of stuff is flying around in our minds and we don't filter it. For, for some of us, we just need to kind of, on our social media accounts, instead of hit and share, passing along the bad report, you know, the conspiracy theory? I put my hand over my mouth. And then Job makes three statements that end up, as I said, being the bedrock of biblical theology, Christian theology, that, that if, we'll, if we'll just take these things to heart, these three statements about God's character, the attributes of God, just three of them, there's more, but these core three, they'll really make a huge difference in our lives right now, right here, today. This is what he says, Job chapter 42, verse one through five. Then Job replied to the Lord, here they are, count them now, I know that you can do all things. That's the first one. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. There's nobody who can stop what you want to do in creation. No one. No army, no group, no one can stop what you want to do. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? It goes on and says, 
Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. A lot of folks speaking of things they don't understand. I I don't want to be one of those empty heads, talking mouths. I don't want to speak of things I don't understand. And here it is, Job says the second one, things too wonderful for me to know. Here's the second one. There, there are things, God, that you know that I'll never know. There, there are things you understand that are going on that I'll never be able to comprehend. And then, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. There, there, there's some things about your presence that I still can't comprehend. You're so different. These three things, so powerful. He says, now I've seen you. So here they are. You ready for them? Three bedrock, solid theology that can help you and I right out of Job here, oldest book in the Bible, right in the middle, that we can bring us assurance that there's a purpose and there's an end. Here's the first one. God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. Now, this isn't in your notes, but you might want to put it in there. Omnipotent is the word. That's the theological word, omnipotent. Omni, uh, which means all Potent, powerful. He's all-powerful. God's omnipotent. Look at what Colossians chapter 1 in the New Testament, uh, verses 1 through 16 says, For everything, absolutely everything, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. That's why it's so important that we connect with his son, our Savior, God himself, Jesus Christ, because without connecting back to God, we'll never know what our purpose is. We'll never understand why we're on this planet apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. As I always like to say, you were made on purpose for a purpose. There is no such thing as accidental kids, accidental child. There are accidental parents, whoop, if you understand what I mean. But, but, but God is the giver of life, and life should be celebrated no matter what the circumstance, what the situation, because God has a unique purpose for every human being you were made on purpose for a purpose and and so everything absolutely everything got to start with him and finds his purpose in him he was there before any of it came into existence and he holds all things together right up until this moment God is all powerful and and I think sometimes even with uh, you know this pandemic the coronavirus you know, as we walk through this and, and there's going to be a time we're just looking in the rearview mirror years from now, we're like, oh, you remember when that happened and all? And, and you know what? I, I think that, that the reality is, a lot of folks blaming God, but I think the reality is God's probably holding this back from, from how bad it really could be. He's holding it back. And, and we'll understand, we'll, in eternity, but right now we, we just don't know. He's all-powerful all-powerful. He's holding it all together, even right up until this moment and until he says it's time. And, and you know, it's not, it's not uh, humanity. The Bible makes that clear that one day is going to, to fold up this world, destroy the world. It's God that's going to do it, and he's going to make a brand new world, new heaven and new earth, the book of Revelation says. It's going to be perfect without flaw, without sin, without evil, without pain. Humanity's not going to destroy the world. God is going to say, that's enough. And he's just going to fold it all up and start over again in perfect. He's all powerful. Here's the second thing. He's all knowing. Job says, I, 
you know some stuff I don't know. You, you know it all. He, God is the know-it-all. He's all-knowing. This is the theological word omniscient. Omniscient. It's not in your notes, but you can write it down. He's, he's omniscient. He knows everything. Look at what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says. He knows about everyone everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to all, the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. Nothing. There's no plot, no conspiracy, no secrets that are being kept from God. He knows it all. He sees it all. And not only does he hear, know it all, see it he also understands not just what comes out of our mouths or the act. He knows the motivations of our heart. He knows what, motiva- what really is motivating each and every one of us. It's a miracle. He loves us because he knows everything. He, he, he knows what you're going to have for breakfast tomorrow. He knows, he knows that thought you're going to have at 3.30 tomorrow afternoon, and you haven't even thought it yet. He knows. He knows. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what you're going to do later on today. He knows what a week from now is going to look like, a month from now. He sees all of that vividly in one moment. He, he knows uh, what's going on inside your body right now that medical science hasn't even told you this happened. He knows. He knows. He's omniscient. All-knowing. So he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And, and this just begins to dawn on Job Here's the third thing that Job says in, in theological terms. What we say is God is ever-present. He's omnipresent, omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. And I love this. And this is so powerful. God's omnipresence. That means all of God is everywhere simultaneously. In other words, you've never lived a moment in your life without God's undivided attention being upon you. Just think about that for a minute. That's why he's God. It's not like he's looking at, oh no, what's going on over in Italy, and he's forgetting about the United States. He, he, every one of us lives out our life with God's undivided, focused attention upon every nanosecond of our life. That's how big he is. That's how big he is. God is ever present. Look at what Hebrews chapter 13, verse five through six says. God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Boy, if we could just just embrace this truth, God's omnipresent. He's omnipresent, he's with me all the time. He's he's not just with you when you you come in church. If If that's the case, man, it's been over a month and God's not been with us. That's not true at all. He's with us right now. He's closer to you than the, than the breath in your lungs. He's omnipresent. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, when, when we allow that truth of God's omnipresence to penetrate our hearts and, and really believe that truth instead of anything else, above anything else, we can say with confidence, ready for this? The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Or could I put it this way? What could a mere pandemic do to me? What could a 
coronavirus do to me? What could a, a shutdown of my business, losing my job, but God's with me. God is with me and he's going to help me. And there's going to be an end to this, but with him there's always hope of a new beginning. And that's what we're going to be celebrating in just a week. Easter, resurrection, from death comes life. Oh, I'd just like to preach it right now, but we're not there yet. But I hope you'll tune in. We've got some special things planned for our online Easter service. Because before there's a resurrection, there has to be a death. Listen now, I just, just preach it for a second, just to preview. Some things got to die before the resurrection power comes. So, some dreams, so, some, some hobbies, so, some things just kind of have to wither away before the resurrection day comes. Before God breathes life and is better than it ever was. Jesus was better than he ever was. The resurrection power. Life on this planet better than it ever was. Well, Jesus just received back what was his all along, his glorified body. I don't want to misspeak there. But you and I, listen, the best is yet to come. I, I know there's some loss. I, I know that there's a, some are experiencing great loss, financial loss, loss of dreams, loss of businesses, even some loss of life. Listen, God's all-powerful. God's all-knowing. God is ever-present. The Lord is my helper because he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. So you know what that can do in the midst of difficult times? I mean, how did Jesus live through a bad day? We call it Good Friday. How did he live through it? We're, we're looking and we're learning and we're growing and we're becoming more like Jesus, following his example, keeping our focus on him. And you know what? When we allow these three truths that Job spoke, these three characteristics of, of God, his attributes, you know what that gives us? It gives us blessed assurance, confidence, confidence, blessed assurance. Our confidence is blessed because we know who God is. And look at this, let me just... Remind us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, I am suffering. Paul is writing here to Timothy, a young leader in the church, young apostle. And he said, I am suffering. Paul was in prison. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. He, he said, he is able. God is able able and everything that I've done God has a record of it everything that I've stood for every life that I've reached out to touch every person that that I've encouraged that I've ministered to everything that I've done to build God's kingdom God hadn't forgotten one of those things and, and he goes I'm not ashamed don't 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 feel bad for me I know who I believed in I know who I have trusted in and I know who is taking care of me. That's where my confidence is. Listen, my confidence is not in the government. My confidence is not in, in, in you know, someone giving me a helping hand. My confidence is in God, is what Paul says. My confidence is not in science. My confidence is not in medicine. My confidence is in God. He is able. Everybody else, he's the great physician. Everyone else are practicing physicians. They're just practicing. 
I'm not, I'm not belittling the medical field, but y'all listen, they're just practicing. They're just trying to figure this stuff out. We, we, we need to anchor our hope in one who is able, not one who's, who's guessing and running tests. One who knows he's able. I thank God for, for medical science. I thank God for uh, medical breakthroughs. We can't put our trust in those things, though. We need to put our trust in the one who is unchanging, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. That's God, and he gives us. He is able to guard us. He is able. So quickly, I want to give you four things real quick. I don't want to take too much time and run out of time, but four, four things that we can know about God right now. He is able. How is he able? How can we be confident that he is able? Here's the first one. I know that God loves me. We can be confident, be assured God loves me. As, as we usually like to tell our kids, and we still do, uh, and I think this comes from God, I think for, God wants to just tell every one of you, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. I love you unconditionally. I love you and there's nothing you can do to change that, to, to make me love you less. That's how God feels about you. That's how God feels about me. Look at what Lamentations 3, 21 through 23 says, yet this I recall to mind and therefore I have hope. We need to remember this and we will have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every single morning, God has new faithfulness. His compassion, his mercy is new every single morning. By the way, uh, I remember studying this as a young husband, and, and I just came to the conclusion, boy, if God's mercies are new every morning, you know what? Greg Williamson's mercies ought to be new every morning. For my wife, later on for my kids, everybody starts at square one every morning. No carryovers. Because that's what God does for me. That's what God does for you. God loves you. And we need to remember ourselves. We need to rem remember that and remind ourselves. I know that God loves me. Here's the second thing. I know that God wants what's best for me. For many of us, we have a hard time believing. I know God wants what's best for me. Romans chapter 8, look at what it says here. If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us. That's what we're talking about this moment on the cross. As Jesus is saying, it's finished. He, he's following God's idea. It was God's will to send the son for you and for me. But he gave him up for all of us. Won't he also give us everything, else, everything we need if we look to him? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Too many Christians, like something bad happens, like, where is God? Does he really love me? What's going on? No, not at all. Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does that mean God doesn't love us? Look at it. goes on and says, no, no, it doesn't mean that. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. He's got our best interest at heart. 
And, and, and already, like I said, we're seeing some good as people are beginning to, uh, selfishness is beginning to subside and, and people are beginning to reach out and help one another. And, and folks who couldn't even get along for three minutes in a conversation now, you know, it's starting to just, the water down, it's starting to just subside. There's some good that's coming out of this. Tough times, they bring out the good, if we'll focus on God, if we focus on him, and that's what we're doing in this series. I know that he wants what's best for me, and there's some things, as we talked about in weeks past, you just can't learn apart from going through some difficult times, some troubling times, some painful times. I know that God wants the best for me. Here's the third thing. I know that God has a plan for me. God has a plan for you, and, and a pandemic is not going to sidetrack God's plan for you. God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for me. And there's no virus that is going to short-circuit his plan. It's not going to happen. God's got a plan for this church. There's there's no virus that's going to short-circuit God's plan for Valley Christian Church. We're going to come out of this. We're going to be better. We're going to be stronger. And I believe Valley family is going to be bigger as a result of this. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. That's the, listen, that's not some sort of wishful thinking. That's the facts because of what God has said. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, you probably know this. A lot of folks, this is their favorite verse in all the, all, all the Bible, but, but we need to remind ourselves of it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. When we're walking in God's plans, there's tough times, there's challenges, there's difficulty. Yes, maybe even pain and pandemic. But we still have hope. And we still have a future. Because our focus is on the one who rose from the dead, Jesus Christ. I know God has a plan for me. Here's the fourth thing that can bring us just real assurance blessed assurance I know that God will bring me through I know that God will bring me through 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 18 the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom to him be glory ever and ever forever and ever Amen. That's what God is doing. This is not the end. Life is going to continue. Life is going to go on. You know, during this uh, pandemic, I've had an opportunity to officiate a wedding. Oh, there, there was only four or five of us. But folks get married. Babies have been born. Uh, People have celebrated their birthdays. In the middle of the pandemic, people losing their job. My daughter called me just a few weeks ago. Works at Liberty University. She just got a raise. He just gave her a raise. In the middle of all this stuff, she's like, Daddy, you're never going to believe it. And I, she told me, she's like, I know, I don't. God, God's doing stuff still. We need to focus on him. God's got a plan. God 
is going to bring me through. Let me just read that verse again. It's powerful. 2 Timothy. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely, safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, there's a verse that uh, a lot of times we read, we hear read. I read as a pastor officiating funerals. And in Psalm 23, David wrote it. And uh, I think sometimes we need to read it ourselves, not when a loved one has passed away, but just in tough times. I love what David wrote there. This isn't in your notes, but he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Man, just that, that verse right there. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. Why? Why? Because you're with me, God. You're with me. Your presence. You're ever-present. You're all-knowing. You're all-powerful. I love, 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 love how practical God's Word is. It just brings us life. Brings us hope. Gives us a different perspective. That's why I love God so much. And I'm so thankful for His Word. Because it changes our perspective. Even in the middle of difficulties, the Lord's going to rescue me. He's going to rescue you from every evil attack. He's going to bring us safely to the heavenly kingdom. And you know what? He's going to get all the glory forever and ever and ever. And so, if I could kind of summarize the sixth lesson that we learn from Jesus on the cross when he says it is finished here's a lesson for you and me right now right right now today to walk out my struggles have a purpose and my pain has an end God is so much bigger so much more powerful so much more present Know so much more. I just want to encourage you, lean into him right now. Get closer to Christ than you've ever been before. Because you know what you're going to find? My struggles have a purpose. My pain has an end. Just like Jesus' struggle had a purpose. It was to pay the price for your personal sins and my personal sins as a sacrifice, as a substitute in your place and mine. His struggle had a purpose. And his pain had an end. You know what that means? When he said, it is finished, it's so interesting that that phrase, it is finished, in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, it's not a religious phrase, it's an accounting phrase. It means there was a debt that was owed. And when Jesus says, it is finished, it means like the stamp paid in full. Paid in full. My struggle has a purpose. 
my pain has an end. These days we're living through, it's not always going to be like this. It, it's getting better. It's not always going to be this way. This, this is just a, a tiny little window of time in the grand scheme of things. But the struggle, God's got a purpose in it. There's some good that God's bringing out, a lot of good, and I think we're going to see that over the next coming months and even years to come as we look back. And my pain is going to end. We're going to be looking back on this. We're going to hey, remember that whole coronavirus thing? Yeah, look, look at what God did in the middle of all that. Look at what he did. Right now, I'm just going to ask, would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that our struggle has a purpose and that our pain will end. When we focus on you, Lord, we discover what our purpose is and the purpose that you're doing in our lives. God, right now, I just pray that, Father, for so many of us, Lord, that hope would just continue to rise, the strength as we focus in on Jesus Christ, as we, really, as we really continue to study how he did it, how he lived through the worst day, what we call Good Friday, that was his worst day. Lord, thank you that you're all-powerful, you're omnipotent, you're, that you're all-knowing, you're omniscient, that you're ever-present, you're omnipresent, and you are right with each and every one of us, not sitting beside, Lord, but closer than our skin right now with us. And Father, I just pray that we would live with the awareness that you're all-powerful, you're all-knowing, you're ever-present, Lord, and allow that truth, that bedrock biblical theology, Lord, to change our perspective and change our relationship with you and with others as well. Thank you for the hope that comes from your word Thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that our struggle has a purpose and that our pain has an end. And we just pray, Lord, you work your grand purpose at a global scale, on a national scale, on a state scale, on our community scale, and at a personal scale as well. Work your purpose, Lord. We trust you. And we trust that you love us, you want what's best for us, you have a plan for us, and you're gonna bring us through. Right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I wanna just uh, take a moment and give you an opportunity online right now. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now. I just invite you to open your heart up to him. You don't have to shout this. You don't have to scream. It's even a whisper. He hears. He knows. And he responds. So just repeat this prayer after me right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I ask you today, lead me, guide me, direct me by your Holy Spirit 
from this day forward, and I will follow you. Amen.